This is Aesthetically Trained, the podcast. Pushing you to year-on-year progression. With your host, Ross McKinley. Ross McKinley, Aesthetically Trained, the podcast. A very special episode. I was walking down the street in Dubai the other week, and I heard this lad talking on the phone, and I can only assume he was talking to one of his clients, talking about weight loss, crash dieting. I listened to him. I thought, fucking hell, there's someone else English. And not only that, it sounds like he might know what he's on about. I waited for him to finish speaking. I said, hey, lad, where are you training? What's going on? Are you PT? And that's how I met. So Nathan took us under his wing in Dubai when I was there the week. Nice to have you on, bro. How are you? Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. What a chance meeting that was. On the way back from a massage, uh, doing my client check-ins, telling someone that they shouldn't do a photo shoot because they've got 14 days to go and they've got 10 kilos to lose. And then uh, I had a little chat with you about where you're training, what you're doing here, and then uh, we ended up training in the morning afterwards, which was wicked. So, yeah, they had a great few days. Yeah. It's crazy how these things happen, isn't it? It's a funny story. I've told everyone, like, how, how did you meet this lad? And I was like, just seen him at the traffic lights and just thought, he looks like he might, he looks like he might train. I want to know what gym we're going to go to. So I was like, I'm not shy Ben's getting out. That's what we say up north. I was like, right, I'll speak to him. <laughs> and now here we are. So we had a good few... We ended up actually in this, like you say, chance meeting, you end up bumping into people. And if you if you put yourself out there, this is how these these things happen. Um, but how I knew we were going to be friends, I said to Nathan, what, where do you train? Mentioned the gym. I thought this is good. I said, what time are you training tomorrow? 10 o'clock. I was like, this is the time I train in England. It's good so far. What you're training tomorrow? This is when shit got serious. What you're training tomorrow? Arms. I was like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> I was like, that's what's happening. So... That was that was how it started. We trained together for three days. I had a, a, a I had a sick time in Dubai, bro. I mean, like, because he obviously met you, and uh, I really feel that like I took a lot from it. So thank you for for helping us and, like I say, taking us under your wing. I, I really enjoyed it. No, it was, really, it was a fantastic time. Man. We got some good, nice food in there, and then uh, got some bit, some drinks in there as well. So it was awesome. Awesome. So yeah. what to to start, mate? Obviously, other than this this chance meeting, how would you? I'll let you introduce yourself. I think from, from, from my point of view, I learned very quickly that you, you definitely know what you are when it comes to PT. I think you've got a great story. You're currently living in Dubai. You've done loads of traveling. You've worked for UP Fitness, which anyone who's followed me knows I've, I've mentioned that gym before in terms of the transformations, the PTs that work there. So you've certainly, you know, back, backed up or backed up by what you're doing. You're certainly living the life, if you like. Um, but tell everyone a little bit about yourself. How did you get the kind of where you are now and what's the crack? Yeah, so I always start a story, the same story every single time. I was just a fat, fat kid uh, and I was just trying to get uh, leaner to impress girls. Uh, I ended up uh, having a knee issue, which meant I went down the route of like uh, wanting to fix myself and get my knee better. So I've always come from a background of like caring and like my mum and dad have always helped people like loads. Mum was a nurse, dad was a teacher. So I got introduced to like, you know, those type of pathways with physiotherapy. My mum took me to her, her work when, when I was off. I did some work experience and had some experiences with um, one of the old Liverpool physios. So uh, he was he was currently, he was the guy who got blamed for Michael Owen's lasting injuries right. uh, back in the day. So that's why he was working for my mum because he got sacked like a year, year later. So um, I, I took some inspiration from him and things not to do when you're working for Liverpool and Gerard Houllier. Yeah. Um, then... I got into that side of things. I went to university. We both did a BTEC, by the way, so that's what we bonded on as well. Yeah. So I did a BTEC. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, wasn't, I wasn't clever enough to do AS levels or A levels. Uh, yeah. BTEC did a degree in sports rehabilitation. I thought I was going to go down the route of like being 
top physio in like a sports team or something like that. I did that for a few years. So I traveled on the, the rugby seven circuit, worked at semi-professional level, but um, it was just a, a different job than I actually wanted to do. I just wanted to help people and traveling with rugby teams and drinking loads was amazing. But also the hours were just, you're working 80 hours a week, but you weren't doing much. You were just with a team who they were getting paid millions of pounds and you were getting nothing. So um, I ended up doing PT on the side to, to be able to afford to live in London because I did university in London. And then I stayed there and worked um, for Nuffield. I worked in the bottom of the gym somewhere doing the corporate job of like just doing circuit classes, folding towels and shit like that. And whilst in my free time, I was actually just like sitting in the back of the cupboard on the, on top of the towels, uh, reading research from like Eric Helms and all of these other people out in Aragon and just like kind of getting myself updated on research. I didn't know why I was reading it, but I just thought, oh, this is something to do instead of folding towels. A year later, I was working, I went to UP um, and worked there for six years. So I did I did three years uh, or four years in, in the UK branch at City. And then I worked in Dubai. I set up there, helped set up their gym for a, for a year over there as well. So, um, you know, I've, I've moved up the ladder. I was their best trainer for, for a year. So I kind of I knew what I was talking about when it came to transformations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided to move online. So, you know, overall, my, my career in fitness and whatever, getting people in, in shape has been around about 10 years. So I moved online a couple of years ago for a different company and then decided to branch out about a year ago on my own. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, from a fitness side of things, I, I took the laptop and basically said, fuck this, I'm not living in London. And then and I spent the whole of 2019, just before COVID happened in 2020, uh, traveling like 52 cities in 52 weeks. Uh, so that was like a mental travel trip. Uh, and like, you know, a bit, if you say it, I've probably been there. And uh, and now we we we're back in Dubai because it's tax free and it's probably the best one of the best combined places out of all of it. So that's kind of my in a nutshell uh, of a fitness journey, just yeah. basically getting people in shape and then now doing it on my own online and taking a little bit of a different spin compared to uh, the, the 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 earlier days in twenty in like twenty seventeen twenty sixteen. But it still is the same, helping people, getting people in shape, and uh, and doing it from uh, a sunny place. Fantastic. Any, anyone who's followed me for any amount of time will have been probably shocked at the similarities to some of the things that you say, particularly with the traveling. Certainly, I think we've we've got a lot of, a lot in common, or certainly a lot of our, our desires are what we're trying to do. I think obviously I'm not quite there yet in terms of leaving the UK, but I will be soon. But I think that was something that we got on about on with straight away, um, and as well the training and stuff. Obviously, you just mentioned a few names there: Eric Helms, now Aragon, and all these people. And I think that we've we've both followed um and learned from very similar coaches and then not only that you've obviously worked in what is a fantastic gym but now you've taken it taken it yourself um who who do you help now mate and kind of what what do you what do you enjoy the most about the about the transformations that you do now and kind of tell a little bit more about specifically it is who you help and kind of why you've went down that path yeah so i've got a bit of a different uh, different niche than most people uh you know as a as a white dude, this probably will sound surprising for most people that listen to this. My, uh, my niche is uh, South Asian and Indian individuals that come from, you know, like uh, the Gujarati background or from from India. Uh, for the past three or four years, I was in a business that were primarily geared towards these these individuals, and you get to learn the traditions, the cultures, the behaviors, and you get to like. Well, I like Indian food as well, so I never need an excuse to go to and understand them and go around someone's house for some. From, from traditional Indian food. So I became like a reverse coconut where like, you know, it's like we're brown on the outside, white on the inside. I'm like white on the outside and brown on the inside. Uh, so we had, we had this like similarities and that and basically I took that as my niche after I left that company. Um, and that seems to be who we really specialize in and help the most, whether it's 
uh, from a, I, I'm not afraid to really speak my mind. I, I, you know, very similar to you. But like when it comes to like those cultural backgrounds, I also you know don't care if someone's trying to sweep the the hush hush underneath the rug. I'll bring it out and be like, look, we need to have a conversation about this. Whereas a lot of other people will, will be wary about those cultural backgrounds where I just don't really give a shit. I, I want to call it a spade a spade. I want to help people. And if and if you have to make people are aware of some of the things that are happening from a cultural background that are not allowing them to get results, then I'm going to do that because it's best, best for the individual that's trying to get those results. Yeah. And that's what kind of has been the forte and why people come to me is because they see me as a white dude, but they see me as someone that like, understands it and knows all of the things that go around the, the South Asian Indian, Indian lifestyle. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to touch on it and ask because I think it was one of the things that when I spoke to you was the fact that you've got, I always think it's very important to have a niche. Obviously, I know who I work with. Um, and I think having that clear target market or, you know, the key, the, the key audience that you're talking to all the time, not just for marketing and business purposes, but I think that's what gives you an opportunity to become an expert because you can really focus in on exactly who it is that you're helping. And I love the fact that you've done that so much. Um, and with your content and stuff on social media as well, it's very much aimed at that group. Um, just like, just like mine is, I'm trying to poke the bear, if you like, and bring more out of them sort of men between like 25 and 40, if you like, where they kind of want to challenge, they're wondering what's more, they're wondering how far they can take themselves naturally. And I'm like, look, fucking come on, you can do it. I'm doing it and kind of poking them and pushing them and, and giving them that, what I call like sort of positive peer pressure where I'm kind of calling them out and I'm making them challenge themselves. And that's what all my content's about. Whereas your stuff, like I said, I have that niche and I think, for everyone listening in, in any industry, I know we're going to go on to sort of travel and career and stuff in a minute, but, you know, having that real niche so you can delve into it a lot deeper, it makes you more of an expert in your field. And then as well, you enjoy what you're doing a lot, lot more. And one of the things I've had lots of coaches on, on the podcast, but everyone I've spoke to, I like to think they're fucking great. And that's why I'm friends with them. That's why I've got them on. Not, not one person. Everyone thinks like personal trainer. It's not a, yeah, if you go to a pure gym or go over, there might be people that train everyone, but the best of the best specialize. You don't go, it's the same in law or solicitors or anything. There's different parts of law. There's anything that having that speciality. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I, th I think it's really cool, mate. So I just, I just wanted you to kind of to, to share. I think it's awesome that you do that. Yeah, no, it's, it's appreciated. It's the, uh, it's the inch, in, inch wide, mile deep type of philosophy. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people try and be like 12 inches long, but you know, everybody, you need to be to have some depth to you, you know, so I'd rather have one inch and go deep, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. First question of the, of, of the main, the main part that I like to get into, if you like, um, travel, obviously you've done a lot of traveling, working as an online coach, uh, and, and, and as a PT as well in the past, you rugby seven stuff. How, how have you managed to, to travel? Uh, and this can be for the, for the lads out there. Um, that are traveling obviously now we're COVID people are traveling a lot, lot more but also kind of how have you managed to do that build a business juggle everything if you like and still keep yourself in shape and what what tips would you have for the for the men listening it, um I, I learned through a lot of failures so I, I like 2019 was one of those years where uh, you know for four months of the year I'd be in incredible shape and then for two I'd be a fucking slob and then for the other four I'd be another you know in great shape again but it was just the learnings of what like I had to do in these different cities so like uh, what I came to realize is if you're you're trying to stay in shape whilst you're either traveling or you're you're like you're staying in there for a prolonged period of time it's all about like establishing a decent routine so what where, where is your gym you know like you asking me where's the nearest gym was like you're a way to establish your routine so you get the things that you want to get in on that day-to-day -day basis 
And what I realized is that I, as I went through the, the weeks of traveling to different places, I had to repeat this cycle every single Sunday. So every single Sunday, I'd be in like Norway. I'd be, and then the week after that, I'd be in Austria. And I'd be like, fuck, I need to find a gym. Or shit, where do I even go and get my supermarket shop from? Like, how do I go and do those things? And, and just repeating that cycle and then trying to balance the maybe holiday mode doesn't exist if you're traveling at the same time as as going on a holiday like if you're if you're banging out an all-inclusive and you design to go away for seven days then fantastic have a crack at it and, and enjoy yourself yep. but if, if you're going on to travel for a prolonged period of time you can't really have that holiday vibe uh, all of the time like for the most part i ended up you know trying to eat out every single night and having that like luxury lifestyle where you'd have like three quarters at every dinner or, you know, you go to a specific place or you go to Spain, you have the tapas, then you have the paella, then you have the wine and then you go to France and you have the bread and this and that and the other and you go to these different places and have these like things that you never feel, feel like you're going to have again, but they're always going to be there. I had to find this fine balance between like having like a normal routine, like a Monday to Friday and then a Saturday and Sunday type vibe. And I think that if you can find that in wherever you go, you'll be absolutely fine because... If you ask yourself, you know, it's a Tuesday night, what would you be doing in bloody Leeds on a Tuesday night? Uh, you know, apart from maybe you, you'd be out in town, but um, <laughs> if, it was, if it was like a normal normal individual, you'd be home with the with the missus, uh, with the little one cooking a spag bowl from scratch or something like that, or, or getting something uh, already made. So, you know, if you're traveling and stuff, that type of mentality kind of stay as well. What are you going to do on a Tuesday night in Leeds might be the same as you do on a Tuesday night in Monaco. Yeah. Uh, if you're not in that kind of holiday mode, if you're going away for three to five days, bang it, love it, leave it, have everything that you want. But if you're going to go for a prolonged period of time, there has to be that routine structure and then that continuity between that time. Find your training blocks, go out for walks, go and see the cities. But then at the same time, it is that, that nine to five or nine to six or eight to seven, depends on how long you work, yeah. uh, vibe that you kind of have. I think it's something that, you know, even for the lads that are listening that maybe they're not traveling as much or maybe you don't have to travel with work or maybe it's your work life. What I, what I kind of take from that and what I think is really important is, is the consistency and planning out your week and kind of accepting where you're at or what you've got going on and then planning around it. Because something that I, I, I've mentioned a lot, a lot to people is, you know, I've got lads that work for 12 hour shifts, work for Network Rail, they're doing all these different things. And the people that get the best results are the people that are consistent are those who accept what's going on in their life and then make a plan. What I sometimes hear is like, well, I can't do this because of work. Now that could be traveling, could be flying, could make it hard for your diet. But even, even in your, your normal job, if you're someone who gets up at seven o'clock in the morning, doesn't get home at eight o'clock at night or whatever time you get up, you work a long day. Well, there's sometimes a bit of a disconnect or sometimes people don't want to accept the fact that that is your life. Like, I can't do anything about that. And you, you Nathan, can't do anything about that. You, the person, has to take responsibility and go, well, this is my job. This isn't going to change. So what am I going to do? Am I going to fucking find a way to train and get in shape or die? Am I just going to, for like the next however many years, just go, oh, yeah, well, like, it's hard for me because I've got to just like, yeah, but that's your life. That That's what, you might not have necessarily chosen it, but that is reality. So like, how do yeah. we... What can we do? Can we just say it like, and, and, and a great question, what, what I've said to a lot of the lads in my groups in particular, because I know them a bit more, can be a bit harsher. It's like, well, well what's the alternative? What else are you going to do? Are you just going to give up? Um, so yeah. I think that can be really powerful to, to look at it um, that way and just kind of accept it. And, and I think that's great. Like what, what you're saying there is, you know, wherever you are, think, what do I want to do this week? Um, yeah. And then come like, up with a plan. Yeah, and, and on to your point, like once you see and you see in hard black and white that I'm working from eight to nine or whether it's your choice or you 
chosen to do that job or you funnel down it because you need the money or whatever it is it's like you ask yourself that question what's the alternative but also can that thing change and the answer is no and you have to do something about it and like the whole like food thing like a, a question i always ask to my clients is like okay cool work was busy so food went x y and z it's like or i can't prep food or i can't do this with food so i can't i might not bother it's like you're not going to fucking starve yourself. You're not going to eat, not eat for 24 hours. So you're going to eat at some point during the day. So why don't you actually make it towards your goals as opposed to away from your goals? It's just that relinquish of responsibility that comes when people think it's not worth it or I want to change, I want a different outcome or I don't want to work those many hours or I don't want to have to prep the food or I don't want to have to go and buy it from somewhere else or I don't want to have to do the hard yard. They just say, oh, fuck, it doesn't really matter. Whereas yeah. it's like, well, you're going to eat anyway. You're not going to, you know, if you didn't eat, you'd die, and you're not going to let that happen. So, like, yeah. you can either choose to go to the co-op and get the cooked, ready-made chicken, if it's like the worst-case scenario, or you go yeah. to the Marks and Spencer and do the Marks and Spencer diet. Well, actually, I love back at UP, we used to give people, uh, I'll talk about that in a minute, but the, uh, the Marks and Spencer diet is fantastic for people that are lazy as hell, and you just go in in the morning and you get, like, three bags of the chicken, two bags of salad, and you just eat that for the rest of the day, 1,400 calories or whatever, 1,200 calories, and then you have, uh, like, a protein shake on top and you're shredded. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> and then the worst case scenario is you go and get your prep stuff, and that's and that's um, that's the reality. You know, you're not yeah. going to make yourself starve, or you go to McDonald's. Yeah, you know, which one? Exactly. Perfect. That leads more nicely to the next question, and so probably going to have some good tips on this. So, in terms of short term and long term transformations, both in your business, your own experience, and what you learned at UP, so you touched on it briefly there. What tips would you have for the for the people listening? To me? And would you say it's is, is it any different short short term or long term in terms of what advice you would give? But yeah, what what, what would you say? If, uh, I'll let you just, just roll with it. Yeah, so I, I do think there's a, a large difference between the two. Not, neither one or is good or uh, better or worse. Like I made a name out of getting people shredded in 8, 12, 16 weeks. And that was just the thing I did. You know, I was, I was the guy who dragged a person out of a shower because they were taking the piss with 10 minutes early into a session. And I pulled them out of the shower because he was like, I need a shower before I train. I was like, no, he's 10 minutes late. We're coming into the session. Dragged him out and made him do a session. He got shredded in 12 weeks. But I was like that person where I would drag people through the the, the, the gym sessions and they'd be like, I don't want to do anymore. And I'd be putting fucking force reps on them every single time. Yeah. Like, I'd done the whole really, really aggressive uh, transformations. And that, that's what I made a name from. But I think the differences between the two is one is obviously the longer term play is uh, how do you fit things into a lifestyle that you can see yourself leading for uh, the future? Uh, and it's more more of a gentle approach where you're more like, okay, you don't want to change too much abrasively. So you don't want to put yourself out of social scenarios. You don't want to pull yourself out of family gatherings. You don't want to pull yourself out of uh, hardship. Like it's it's really hard to either um, to pull yourself out and just detach and just be like, I'm going to do this for a set amount of time. Fuck everything else. I'm going to just, you know, not go to socials, not do anything like that. Prep my food. You know, basically you go for optimal as opposed to more practical approaches. Yeah. So I think from a long-term perspective, it's more like asking, okay, well, do you see yourself doing that in five years' time? Do you see yourself prepping uh, food, like batch cooking seven days a week in five years' time? No. Okay, well, then maybe we'll use a different alternative now. So we find something that's better for you um, now as well as in five years' time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there are more like, easier approaches in terms of the long-term play and it's more like you know practice habitual patterns um making sure you do your 10k steps and if it doesn't happen then it's okay try again tomorrow but i, I think then then on the flip side if you want that short-term transformation excluding yourself from scenarios where you're going to make it harder to follow your food your steps your cardio it's really advantageous like if you locked yourself in a box or like let's say for example you know 
wider boxes or who people like that go to training camps that are not near home you know yeah they get to focus more they get to do this but they exclude themselves from probably their social circle the bags at the weekend you know the the things that they were doing not in not in prep mode they were doing it in like you know the, the off season or whatever they want yeah. to call it um and by putting yourself out of that you remove temptation you remove all the ability for them to like kind of veer off plan and you go for optimal so like short-term results is all about kind of probably excluding yourself as as much as you can like that would give you the best results and then there's probably a continuum on the way to like normality where you could do that too it just it's the easiest way to do it if you want short-term results try and remove everything away and then uh block that out and like get really fucking good at saying no like if you can if your goal and uh, is so emotionally tied to what you want you're able to say no to something for a period of time so you know, you'll have those people that'll be like, you know, for the next 12 weeks, I'm going to do X. No, 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 no. And they absolutely smash it. And that's absolutely fine. It's those that want the short-term results, but also don't want to do the no's or don't want to have those hard conversations that just find themselves in the middle. I think there's also, for the long-term, I think there's actually some really good merits of doing some type of short-term transformation because over the short-term, and this is what we do, we get people, like we use the philosophies that we do for our short-term but then we transcend it and transition it into long-term players. Yeah. So in that short term, you learn a hell of not a lot about yourself, whether you're able to stand up to social pressures, whether you're able to actually put a routine in place and be consistent with it, whether you're able to like deal with hunger and deal with these things. You know, you learn about your stress response and whether you are supposed to be snacking at the middle of the night or you know having that extra this or extra that. You yeah. learn yourself about that by being rigid with yourself. A lot of people are too lackadaisical with themselves no standards no like auditing process where they're like should i do that is it a yes or is it a no or is this right for my goal so going through something short term allows you to be super clear on where you stand at that moment in time like if you can't last a week without doing the things that you said that you wanted to do then there's a disconnect with the things that you want to do and the things that you're actually doing yes. and you just end up, and you end up having that internal battle which makes people feel shit but that's meant to happen because you're not aligned with your goals like you don't want that uh you don't want that aggressive transformation although you're saying that you do yeah so i think that a lot of people who this is the way we do it anyway we put people in the firing line we, we step people up for success and we say look this is something that you said you want to do let's go and chase it and when you don't do it then that's when we like transition you over to like the longer term play because we're yeah. like you've got some holes here eating issues you stress issues you can't say no to social events and you can't when you go out you can't just have a main meal you have three quarters you can't get the results that you're after in the short term but you're going to need to work on these things in the long term anyway so we'll just transition you over and just work on those at the same time as probably being consistent five six days a week so i think there's a really good merit to the long term by doing short term yeah that makes sense I think, again, like very similar in the approach that we take in terms of the lads that I work with in the 28 days, we use that at the front. Everyone knows it's it's brutal, like it's it's a challenge, that's why I do it. But I always say like you've, you've got to follow the rules before you can break them. And I think that we'll have a really, really tough 28 days to gain some lessons and the experience that we get from that. Like experience is expensive. It's, it's, it's a case of you have to be in the trenches and you have to do it to then have it in your locker and put it in your toolbox and go... Right, I can maybe use this again in the future before a wedding, before a holiday. And you kind of need to prove to yourself, I think, and particularly for the men I work with, it's about proving you can do it. Um, and then, like you said, we transition out of that. Then you make it more of a lifestyle, but you've got to be willing to sacrifice or have some trade-offs to get it where you want to be, or at least 
you, you can do it over the over the long term, no doubt. But for me, um, and and I think I'm, I'm sure you agree on this. I think there's there's a, there is a lot of benefits in initially seeing the potential of what you could be doing, but also realizing that like you know the methods and the madness, if you like, is always matched to the time frame that you're working in. No one that I ever work with ever trains like what they're doing the 28 days in terms of the cardio, the diet, and the training any longer than 28 days because that is that program. My 12 week clients, my inner circle clients, your clients over the longer term, you're not going to have them doing a you know an approach that's designed for very short term radical change over a year. It just wouldn't work. You kill them. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not. So it's 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 keeping that in mind. I think sometimes people are scared to from our point of view and i think what, what you said that was good is you know the five-year thing would you do it in five years and i think that's something always to consider but what what i find with some men sometimes and with some pts as, as well is that they'll kind of justify their lack of results or their lack of change with sustainability or with like oh well i don't you know i, I don't i don't think that if you, again you, can't, you can't see yourself doing it. it's like yeah but don't let that put you off doing it now like do yeah. it for the short amount of time and get some results and then go, yeah, I went all in on that. I learned from it, but you know what? I fucking can't see me doing this for much longer. Then make the changes, like you said. But you don't know. Don't don't let that fear of actually doing the thing, you know, yeah. you put put you off. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, that, that's that's good, bro. That's it. In terms of just some, what you mentioned before, even like that Marks and Spencer thing I thought was interesting, uh, the, the, the diet and stuff. Quick, quick tips, quick wins. Yourself, up just bullet points if you like when it comes to transformations overall what what would you say what are you like your, your go-to's whether it's calories diet and training so uh, Go. first one the first one out of all of it is re reduced decisions the more decisions that you have the more your your ability to move away from the right ones will will in in increase so remove decisions if that's a meal plan if that's changing your meal plan every other couple of days or making something solid in that routine that you spoke about is critical Nothing, no one will not get shredded on 1200 calories, 20,000 steps and a bit of cardio. So just remind that if you need a last minute ditch, that, that's it. Like, and as always, the, the less calories you eat, the more cardio you do, the more shredded you're going to get. So like, just it, it, it's the goal of finding your tolerance levels, but also like um, knowing where you sit on that. If you can get easy wins and you love doing steps, go and double it, like go and do the, the don't be capped by a number like if you are like 8 p.m at night and you're like got nothing to do and you've done 15,000 steps get your shoes on go out and do another five you know if you enjoy it go and do it and like uh we should celebrate that as well but like again high activity get it that way and then just eat super high volume food to kind of get full like as a as a guy who was like soaking wet 59 kilos the first time i ever dieted yeah. um and i was relatively lean you know, I had to eat, you know, fuck all calories, uh, rabbit calories to get there. You know, I was eating, um, you know, 500 grams of lettuce and some chicken breast and then some ch and tuna and then, you know, 300 grams of veggies again. So I was like having three protein veggie meals uh, to get to that point. And, and then I had that appreciation for like, look, okay, cool. If I, I can be full, relatively full on 1200 calories and I'm only 59 kilos, you, as an 80 kilo dude, there's a 100 kilo dude, there's more that you can be doing to, to get fuller off the, the, the amount of food that you're getting eaten. So like pack out your meals, eat it slowly, drink loads of water and just have that breakfast time. Don't have breakfast. Like it's not like bad, good, worse, whatever. But if you elongate that window, so you have your first meal at like 11 or 12, you have more food over a shorter space of time. And everybody's getting on with the day anyway in the morning. You bang a black coffee, you bang it, yeah. You bang whatever you, you bang in the morning, monster, whatever, and then you just get on with your day. You're sidetracked, which is then a, a really good tool. Like 
one of the best fat loss tools I ever had was running a business. You know, <laughs> because because I'd just wake up in the morning and I'd be like, "Fucking hell, I got this to do today. Let me go and um, let me go get a coffee. Let me go and I'll train, and then boom, and then like." You know, as we were together uh, the, other, the other day, it's like I just didn't—I didn't eat till like four or something like that. I have a coffee, some water, and then don't eat till four, and then have a few meals in the evening, and that's it. And that's a really good way of doing it. If you, and the, from a research perspective, there's some really good research to support that. If you sugar off that hunger in the morning, it's—it it increases your appetite as you go through the day as well. So, yeah. you don't—it's it, not like it's a be-all and end-all, but like I wouldn't want to feel more hungry than I already do on a diet, so yeah. I make it less. Awesome. Good stuff. Last question of the main part before we go on the legendary quickfire round. Um, so how to stay, we talked about this before, before we went live in, but I know you've got some, some bold claims if you're coaching in terms of this, but I think how to stay in shape for life. So after you've worked, after people have worked with me or you, or maybe you've worked with forever, I don't know, but what, what would you say? What are your tips? What's your thoughts on that? So I, yeah, go. Yeah. I mean, um, we got some bold claims, like we, we thought definitely uh, now that we're working on that. But like, uh, I think the biggest things out of all of this is um, keeping your body weight within a range. Uh, one of the, the eye-opening facts for keeping uh, keep or staying in shape for life is like that whole dreaded process of stepping on the scale. Like, no one loves to do it when they've been eating like shit the weekends or whatever. But it is that that accountability tool. It's that reference point. It's that gut check. It's the log into your Lloyd's TFB account or your your Santander and you see zero then you're going to start doing something about it on that particular day. But yeah. if you don't put on the scales or you don't look in your bank account, you're never going to see what you've got, what savings you've got or what, what overdraft you're in. So staying in a body weight range of like three to five kilos is probably my biggest tip. Like maintenance or a lifestyle phase is never just one singular number. It's not like 50 kilos and then you're, you're there forever. If you're a female and you're 50 kilos, you've got to consider the menstrual cycle. You've got to just consider fluctuations social events, stuff like that. You have a bit of booze at the weekend, it goes up, but by the end of the week, it comes back down again. But you don't want that emotional roller coaster that will come if you're like hard and set on like being 50 kilos. And then you have an identity of 50 kilos. And then when it's 51, you challenge it, hit the bucket button. And then now you're 52, 53, and now you don't step on the scales. Now you're 54, 55, then you need a coach again. So uh, what I like to do is set that that range up. Say for example, that 50 kilo woman, I would set it for 49 kilos to 54. And then she can fluctuate between that as she goes through the, the years. So parts of the summer, she'll probably be down in the 49s, 50s because she's, you know, want to be a bit trimmer in the bikini for the holiday. Uh, winter, you know, the hobnobs and biscuits and celebration tins up at the yeah. 53. And if she can keep on top of that as she goes through, she'll have the upper limit. So, you know, as she gets to the 53s, she'll probably, and she steps on the scales that week, she'll probably question whether that second biscuit of that or the thing that she wasn't tracking for the last couple of weeks probably needs to be tracked. Or, you know, when someone offers that second donut when she doesn't really want it, like, you know, those type of gut-wrenching moments, that's just called standards for yourself. And that's really important. So I think that's the biggest one out of all of it uh, is that weight range, just so people have that playing room because everyone fluctuates on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis, and we should be okay with that. Um, and then the second to me is, like a, is, a, is the ability to have flexibility with food. Uh, and understand how to play it within that fi- that financial budget and that you know which is calories, uh, which, whichever method you utilize, whether you're tracking, not tracking, hand portions, guesstimating, just going off like I don't know colors of food or whatever, whatever crazy yeah. shit's going on nowadays. 
um, is that you'll need to honor this budget thing. It's like, you know, you're going to go broke if you don't look at your finances often. Uh, you're going to, and if you want to save more or invest more in certain money, you're going to have to know what you're playing with as well. So um, I think whichever way you do it, just make it a key fundamental. You don't have to weigh everything out or the, the method that you're using right now doesn't have to be the method for the rest of your life, as you spoke about before. But you should but have a method. Yeah, there should yeah. be something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if it's, um, and this is what we, like, we go through, like, stages with our clients. So we'll go, like, uh, in the dieting phase, we'll go, like, some type of, like, meal plan option, option stuff so they can swap things out and they can get familiar with, like, meal timings and protein sources. Then yeah. we'll go to, like, my fitness palfers, so a more flexible approach, utilizing a little bit more of a structure so they have the structure that they had before or they make it on a week-to-week basis. And then as they go through into, like, that, that six months, nine months, and a year after they've got in shape, They'll be then looking at like, you know, just looking at is the protein and veggies and carbs at that meal? Are they eating till they're full? Are they stuffing themselves? Are they finishing the plate? Like some of the things that, you know, we spoke about before, like when people uh, eat until they're full or their, their, their plate is finished, it's not necessarily actually how much they should be eating. Like you're, I think you're what, you're 10 kilos heavier, 20, no, 20 kilos heavier than me, 15, 20? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, eight, I'm 88 now. I was, nine, I'm normally okay, yeah. around about 94, 93, 93, 94. And at the minute I'm, I was 86 this morning, but I was also very hungover and dehydrated, so it probably tells you why I was a little bit like, I'm, yeah. I'm wrong. I'm, at the minute, I'm fluctuating between 86 and 88. So yeah, yeah. I'm four stone, have you? 16 to 18 kilos heavier than I am. Yeah. So like when we go to a dinner a dinner party or we go to, let's say, for example, we go for sushi, the amount of food that you should be eating will be different to how, how much I'm eating. But if we eat, if we ordered, both order the same thing, the person that just um, chosen the rest, uh, the the order, the amount of quantity that goes onto the plate is the restaurant. It's not not us. So as we get, go all, uh, further into that six and nine months in that year, it's about understanding. Well, even though a full plate comes like from the cheesecake factory and it's fucking two thousand calories, it's actually how much you should want to eat based on your hunger signals and not trying to finish the plate because if a fifty kilo person finishes a plate for a hundred kilo person or the portion size is about two thousand three thousand calories per portion they're going to gain weight really, really quickly. And if they don't want to track forever, probably honoring the hunger signals that they've got is probably a really good way of doing it. So like we we really phase that and then they yeah. can go and pick and choose as they go through time. So if they're like, I want to clean up for a holiday, 12 weeks time, then probably go back to tracking and be more accurate. Or they're like, I want a bit more of a, a lax approach, uh, then go and do, um, you know, pick a meal and eat till you're full as opposed to uh, eating it all. Yeah, that that's an. I don't think anyone's really covered that before me. But that's that's been on been on the podcast. But that's an awesome point. I think, you know, even if people look at like your group of friends, um, or your partner, whoever you go out and eat with, like understanding like that you're gonna probably eat different amounts, um, and and, and be accepting of that, and looking at like I, I love sushi, and I used to always go off like right, how many pieces of sushi roughly do I need to eat to be full? But that's going to be, it's easier that because you can count like, right, I'm going to have 15 pieces or when you order it, you're like, oh, there's this many pieces of nigiri or sashimi or whatever it is. But what takes me to get full is going to be different to you and vice versa. But I think a lot of the time when we go out, um, when you were friends and stuff, maybe people don't, like I say, I've not actually spoken about that before, but it's a really, really good point. Particularly when I was bulking as well. Um, I was, when I was in Australia, 2019 I was at my heaviest I was 100 kilos which like for a natural that would be 100 kilos is fucking big like and I did look like a fucking whale however still had the brief outline of abs there somewhere but at that time and this sounds ridiculous be like oh well how do you put that much weight and I was like yeah I was tracking I was making sure I was eating pro- I'm very very big on stimulating MPS protein every three to four hours 
you know, the only thing I would have disagreed with you on earlier, or, or certainly what I see with my lads, because we're trying to build muscle, is I like people to have that shake in the morning or whatever, just so that they're doing that throughout the day. But one of the things I'd done was I was always doing that when I was trying to put weight on. I stopped, I stopped counting calories. I did count calories a little bit, but I was trying to just eat as much as I could. But what I used to do when I was going out was I would look at my goals and I'd look at my mates and I'd be like, well, I am going to get two mains and I'm probably going to get something to take home as well <laughs> because I was trying to put weight on that much. So we'd go for a burger and I was like, I like chips, but I love burgers. So I was like, I'm going to have two main courses. I'll have an extra burger. I'll do stuff. And that's what I was willing to do at the time to put that much weight on. So I had this really good foundation to cut from. Then later that year, I'd done a little bit of a mini cut for Tomorrowland. But my whole purpose was I, I wanted, and linking in what you said before, the set point, I wanted to move my set point up and spend long enough at a heavier weight that when I dieted again, I knew I'd significantly changed my physique, which now I'm seeing the benefit of because now I'm much, much bigger. I can eat a lot more food and I can still eat relatively what I want, but I'm still losing weight just, just by tightening up a few little things because I spent the time and the skin in the game, if you like, of building up those calories and then being considerate of what my goals were when I was out, even just as stupid as it sounds, just like, listen, I'm trying to build muscle. There might not be enough protein in this meal. I'm going to get two mains or whatever. Do you know what it sounds? Even just on a basic level. And equally now when I'm out, when I was in Marbella before I came to Dubai, uh, the people I was with, Jess mentioned, Jerome's girlfriend said, you, you're being careful of, of what you eat. Are you certainly not eating as much as you? And I was like, yeah, but I'm lean now. So I'm just aware that like, I don't need to eat the bread like at the beginning of the meal because I'm going to enjoy my main and I don't have to have a dessert unless I really want to have it. And it's not that I'm being fucking, you know, awkward over it. I'm thinking, oh, I, I, if I want to have it, I can still do it. But I'm more considerate of my goals as opposed to just blanking it out. Like you said, really good analogy, not looking at my bank balance, not thinking about it. What we're focused on grows and we'll put more energy with which we tend to improve our always things. So that's really good, mate. Love it. Thank you. That's that's a really good... Uh, I, I like that one. That, that's really good. Yeah, additional point on that. Just a, the, the goal of that, that honouring your hunger signals... Yeah. is for completely those who want to stay at homeostasis so that's the balance right of the body yeah. whereas uh, when you're trying to challenge it on either end of the spectrum so either building muscle tissue and eating more calories or like you're in a fat loss phase you can't really rely on those feelings too much all of the time right because if you're always hungry because you're in a diet it doesn't mean you should eat because your goal is to starve yourself to lose more fat yeah. if you're in a, in a surplus and your body's going, oh, I'm full. It's like, well, no shit. Like, you've got enough for where you are right now, but I'm trying to build more muscle tissue to get more muscle tissue on me. So I'm going to eat more than what my body's telling me to eat. So, like, for if you're trying to stay in, 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 a, in a relative similar range and you don't have any ambitions of putting lots of tissue on or getting super, super lean, then that's probably a really good place to start. But like you said, you, uh, you sometimes just have to go above and beyond or you have to, like, go down. Yeah, you're fighting that set point. It's brilliant. It's, yeah. it's, it's something I talk about a lot. You're fighting that set point. And I always think, you know, you having that time to stabilize it in your way as well before you go into your next phase of dieting yeah. is important because it's almost like a bit of a slingshot where your body weight might move one way and your physique might move one way. But then if you can hold and you can stay homeostasis in your body, if you like, catches up and then you settle at the new way. Like me now, I know I want to stay around eight. But really, my goal is to get down to about 85 then when I'm there, I want to stay there for as long as I can so that I can then train harder again. I can enjoy more calories again, but I can stay at this level of body fat and at this body weight before I think about trying to build muscle again or before I think about going lower. You need to spend time where you're at. Once you've 
Climb that mountain once you've done the 28-day challenge or whatever it is. Spend some time on it to let your body and your mindset as well catch up and then go again. Um, yeah. Brilliant, mate. That's really good. I think we'll finish off with we're quick fire. Right. So there's going to be the first four are pretty easy. And then the last four, you've got a little bit more thinking time. Just go with what comes into your head first. Um, and yeah. Happy? Yeah. Pretty yeah. simple, the first few. So coffee or tea? A coffee, always. Rugby or football? Uh, to watch rugby. Rugby. UK or abroad? Abroad. No doubt. Fat loss or muscle gain? Uh, muscle gain. Right, now these ones are, you can have a bit of thinking time. I want to get you, I think you'll have some good answers to this. So, don't hold back yet. What is the worst place you have ever been or visited. Oh, Bilbao. Bilbao, I, I fucking know it off my heart. I despise the, the Spanish Spanish kind of place. Bilbao is one, it's just one of those places that I uh, I went wrong time, wrong headspace, wrong city, got nothing from it. I just remember it being the woeful five days of my life. I was like, get me out of this place. Really? <laughs> so what, what yeah. was it about there? What, like, the weather, the people, the just... Like, moody, small town. Like, it was grey. It was like, it was, it was like just wasn't offering what I wanted like things don't open till later because it's old Spanish town so I was like I was coming from like uh, living in Dubai for a little bit in 2017 I was like and, and London which is 24 hours everything yeah you wake up in the morning you go walk out for a coffee and nothing will be fucking open and then you have yeah. to wait till like whatever time to get a coffee so there, it wasn't really commercialized in a way of like you there was like one Starbucks that opened at nine and it's like I, I was an early starter at that point so I was like getting up at 6 a.m ready to go and hit the day and it's like nothing was open, no one was out. It was it, it just wasn't a place for for someone that was like um, used to the twenty four hours convenience, which is totally a worst a first world problem. But yeah, um, they got like a Google a Guggen, Guggenheim museum, but I didn't. Uh, I'm not a museum type of guy either. Not a history yeah. type of guy. Right. The next question, the other side of that coin, is always say, what is the best place? Um. I always say the, uh, a couple of answers because depends on what you want to go for. You got like beach. Uh, Dubai will be at most things uh, in convenience, in experience, in weather, in um, luxury. Uh, but you can't also be Ibiza, can you? Really? So like, there's just party piece and party party place. Yeah. So, and then yeah, maybe maybe Dubai uh, and. Yeah, Ibiza, but then if you want something just completely off the cuff, I know you're a big fan, but like Switzerland is, is phenomenal. Yeah. So I love I love Switzerland in the summer. So they're like they're my top top places. Sick. Right. This one I think I'm looking forward to what you say on this. So what is the worst piece of advice you've ever heard or been given? Uh just focus on being happy. <laughs> That's a big one, right? Like um most challenge and most growth comes through uncomfortability. Yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, if you're chasing happiness, you'll never put yourself in a place of uncomfortable. Uh, and I think most growth and most development and most like actual happiness further down the line when you really dissect it comes from fulfillment, comes from contentment, comes from driving towards a purpose. But you can't get purpose, contentment, fulfillment if you don't put yourself in a position of like challenge. So I, I think, yeah, just be happy. If I was just, if so, if, if my mum and dad used to say that to me when I was younger, which they never did, they were like, go out and do everything you need to do. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have done anything. I'd just have been content where I'm at at 16. Like, if you're content when you're 16, like, 
you've not learned anything that you haven't got any exposed yourself to new things so i think you know a lot of people are going towards that and that might be a really really opposite view for most people but yeah i feel like once you've got and maybe i think we're in a privileged position a we have a job that we fucking love yeah. and we, we we drive towards the purpose of helping people blah, 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 blah. not everyone has that right so the other alternative outside of focus and fulfillment and purpose and drive is just be a little bit happy um so i think once you've got fulfillment purpose you realize the real game uh and i think the real game is fulfillment purpose and drive and like putting the great thing in the world as opposed to like just focusing on yourself to be a little bit more happy Mid class and then the last one the last question uh what is the best piece of advice uh just go and do yeah. just go and do like uh oh no actually sorry let me uh rephrase that uh say yes and then figure out a way how to do it later yeah that was that was my dad one of my dad's favorite pieces of advice for like um for everything that i've done it's when like you always like anything work experience uh job opportunities um education whatever uh, travel say yes and then you can figure out how to do it financially uh logistically later and that got me into a position where i i was I got in so many doors when I was younger because I did that and people had to think and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I, I ate shit for years when growing up, uh, when I was doing work experience and first jobs to get that put in the door. And I think you have to do that. So like say yes and I figure out, I still do that to this day. And awesome, mate. I've loved that. It's been class. It's been really, really good to speak to you. Tell everyone where they can find you before you go. I will put links to Nathan's Instagram and his social media handles uh, in the comments below but otherwise tell everyone how they can find you yeah so it's just uh at nathan.autonomy uh, and that's all we've got really on just as if if you want it as well uh, there's a if you click on the link in my bio we've just actually published a book last week called the six phases to forever going into that long-term journey so if you want a free, a free pdf to, to to listen to or uh, watch or read when you're on the toilet it's pretty decent sick top man awesome thank you very much mate. Yeah. i really enjoyed it i uh, appreciate it mate thank you thanks bro You've been listening to Aesthetically Trained, the podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and spread the word.